Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Warren Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Russell Warren. On this podcast, we discuss markets, trading, crypto, macroeconomics, and geopolitics. Um, I've, take, I've taken about a two-week hiatus from podcasting just because, um, you know, a few personal events have happened in my life. Um, my wife went into a little bit of early labor, but um, we spent seven nights in the hospital, but everything's great. We have the, uh, a beautiful new baby boy, so we're Super excited about that, but that was kind of the focus of my time. And just this week, uh, Monday, I got back into markets and into trading. And what a week to get back into markets. Um, it's been a wild week up and down. These last three weeks have just been crazy volatile. Um, those of, those who have been following my private Twitter, where I post all my live trades, um, we've been just killing it this week. I mean, we've, we've gotten every trade almost perfectly timed. Uh, the only caveat I would say is that we've been jumping out of the trades a little early and we've been taking profits faster than, than we normally would. But the reason being is because these markets are so volatile. Um, it's just suicide to stay in any of these positions uh, long term. I mean, some of these positions we're in and out in 20 minutes. Um, so if you're interested in, in following that Twitter, um, I, I, on my Twitter at retirement, right? I put the link how to sign up to the private Twitter account and you can follow all the trades there in real time, uh, with screenshots and, and everything for proof of trades. You know, a lot of these guys that sell trading platforms, they trade with paper accounts, they trade with fake money, or they throw out a bunch of, you know, trade ideas and then just highlight the ones that, that are successful. And that's not what I do. Um, I trade with my own money, real money on my account. Uh, I screenshot it. I show exactly where I'm trading, what I'm trading. And, uh, you know, whoever's been following that account has done uh, really, really well over the past few weeks. So um, I'm glad that I'm glad that I'm able to bring some value and help some people make some money there. So it's not financial advice. It's just what I'm doing with trades. And so whether you choose to follow that or just watch it for entertainment, that's totally, totally up to you. So but I hope I hope those of you who are listening to this from that private Twitter are really getting getting some enjoyment out of it. Um, okay, let's talk about markets. So today, wild, wild uh, day in the markets. The, the Dow uh, closed up 61. S&P closed up 8.21%. The NASDAQ closed basically flat, um, down 1.81. The Russell is down 0.34. Uh, the VIX closed at 31.60. So that really doesn't tell the whole story, right? If you just looked at the opening and the closing and saw, okay, the NASDAQ was flat, 
you would think, you know, it was kind of a, a sanguine day, kind of a quiet day, but that's not true at all. And the NASDAQ had an extremely volatile day. And again, those of us or those of you who are following the my private Twitter account where I show all my trades, I was saying this from the beginning. When I saw future, you know, I woke up last night because I have a newborn baby. He wakes me up every three hours. And I woke up last night and I checked the uh, futures and I saw that the NASDAQ was up uh, almost 1% overnight. And whenever I see a big move like that with the fundamental backdrop we have, I knew that people, uh, traders were going to jump in and think, okay, we bottomed, we're about to rip now. And they were going to ride up the opening. And I knew that was going to happen. But I knew as soon as it got to a certain point, they were going to rug pull it. And they rug pulled it uh, pretty quickly. So as you, if you're looking at a chart of the NASDAQ, you can see it opened uh, at 930, right at 12,600, uh, which was you know 0.9% or 0.85% move from the previous day's close, yesterday's close. Everybody jumped in thinking, okay, this is the this is the, the reversal. We're going to have a big rally day, a bear market rally day. And I knew that they were going to rug pull this because, one, uh, overnight futures pumps like that normally don't lead to a, uh, a big green day, right? Normally, the futures pumps don't completely dictate how the market's going to go. Secondly, there's so much uncertainty in this market, waiting for earnings from Apple, waiting for earnings from Microsoft that I just had this very strong suspicion that they were going to rug pull this uh, after the initial bounce. And that is exactly what happened because the market opened at uh, the NASDAQ opened at 12,650 immediately shot up to uh, 12,720 and right there, boom. And that was at 951. So they gave, so 20 minutes from opening to basically the high of the day, the high of the day um, on this big, you know, this big rally where I knew everyone was going to jump in, seeing the futures and get all excited and think, OK, here it is. It's 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 time. Um, and then so at 950, the Nasdaq reached the high of the day, which was looks like 12 or 12,094, 12,694 was the high of the day. Immediately, they, they pulled the rug and it dropped from at 950 all the way down to 1018. So another 30 minutes, it dropped all the way down to 12,472. So at 12,472, then that was the low of the day. Everyone started buying puts. And what happened? Immediately, the NASDAQ shot up um, till it peaked again around uh, noon, 1244 at 12,676, and then dropped all the way into the close to end up flat for the day, uh, 12,487. And so, you know, the old Wall Street adage that the, that the market exists to take the most money from the most people was very, very uh, prescient and on point today because the, this played out exactly how I thought it would play out. I knew once I saw futures were raging around 2 a.m., I knew there was going to be an excitement. Everyone's going to jump in. And the backdrop, the, the macro backdrop, the fundamental backdrop for a big uh, bear market rally just was not there. There's too much uncertainty with the earnings um, and things like that. And so the VIX is still elevated. I mean, the VIX is above 30 going into earnings uh, here. Let's see what Apple what Apple does. I mean, that's really going to be the big tell how the market responds to Apple's earnings. If if Apple's earnings are bad, I mean, honestly, look out look out below here. But we can't we can't trade on uh, what ifs. We have to trade on you know uh, a good uh, fundamental forecasting. Uh, with a little bit of technical uh, analysis as well. 
So back to the markets here. Um, the Dow, the Dow did okay today. Like I said, it ended up plus 61, basically flat. And the markets were basically flat today. Uh, but again, that doesn't tell the whole story. I mean, we, uh, we went on a wild ride here. And so that kind of leads me to my next segue about how I was able to, how I've been trading this week and how I was able to trade this so, um, so accurately over the last few days. I wrote a newsletter. When was it? Monday, April 24th. And it's entitled trading rules to live by. It says three trading rules that'll significantly enhance your success if you can follow them. And so what I wrote in that article, I said, if you can follow them, and that, that, that being the biggest um, uh, caveat there, if you can follow them, because a lot of these rules are simple to say, and they're simple to, um, you know, state and understand, but they're not simple to follow. They're actually very, very difficult uh, to follow some of these rules because money's involved, emotions are involved. People get, uh, you know, caught up in their own success. They get excited. And so I, I wrote these three rules as a reminder to myself, but also as a reminder to all my readers that, you know, to be a successful trader, I would say it's about 90% psychological and 10% analytical. I mean, if you, if you can control your emotions in this game and be disciplined, you'll do a lot better than someone with, you know, a great uh, analytical skills, but just horrible um, emotional and psychological uh, discipline. And so the three main rules that, I mean, there's more, but these are the three main rules that I have the most difficulty with that I think most traders, even advanced traders have the most difficulty with. Um, first and foremost, always cut your losses early and let your winners run. So what does that mean? And, and why is that so difficult? Well, I'll, I'll give you an example over these last few weeks. Um, well, let's talk about today. So today I entered put positions on the QQQ uh, three different times. Um, I ended up coming out about 18% uh, profit for the day. Had I, had I not took pro- taken those profits early, I would have been probably 70, 80% plus today. Um, but I only was at plus 18 because I saw my chance to take profits. I saw money in the green. I didn't want to lose. I wanted to end the day on, on a winning high and I immediately sold. Um, I took those profits and, and banked them. And, you know, there is an adage that says no one ever got broke. You know, no one ever went broke taking profits. But the key is most of the time, or you know, at least if you're really good, you'll be right six out of 10 times. If you're average, you'll be right five out of 10 times. So what does that mean is you have a 50-50 probability of being correct on uh, your trade assessments and your trades and where you think the markets is going to go. So in order to actually stay profitable, knowing you're going to have a 50-50 success rate, you need to make sure your winners are so much more outsized than your gains in order to you know, build profit over time. If your winners are, don't outsize your, gain, your losses, you, you, you will never be profitable. You'll end up in the red and your money will just whittle away or your account will just stay flat. So you really have to let your winners run. And this is one of the most difficult things for traders to do, especially traders that have been on like a losing streak or haven't been doing well in their trading or they're new. They see a little bit of profit. They want to jump on that. They, want, they get excited. They want to take it. But if you trade um, and you want to do this consistently and you want to do this for income and over the long run, you have to learn to let your winners run. 
um, and cut your losers immediately. And cutting your losers immediately is just as hard as letting your winners run, right? When you've done hours of hours of analysis, hours of research, um, you line the trade up properly, everything's going your way, you place the trade and all of a sudden it goes against you. It is very, very difficult to immediately cut that loss because you just think, you know, in your head, psychologically, you think, well, if I just hold on a little bit, it's going to reverse and I'll be profitable. But, and, and that does happen sometimes. There's been times where I've cut a trade immediately and, you know, thinking it wasn't going my way, the market immediately reversed and I would have been extremely profitable had I not cut the trade quickly. But in this game, it's a game of longevity and it's a game of small base hits over time. And in order to, you know, get set up to where you can hit that home run, you have to cut losses early. If the trade isn't working immediately, get out of it. Um, the rule that I use is, is 10%. Um, on each option trade that I make, I always set a stop loss for a 10% loss, meaning that if the, if the premium on that option that I'm buying goes down 10%, my brokerage account automatically sells it for me and I don't even have to worry about it. Um, and as, I, you know, as, the, as it goes up, as the premium goes up, I set trailing stops meaning that I keep moving the stops up higher uh, by 10% increments in order to make sure that I'm in the trade for the long run, but I also cut my losses. And it's, it's you know, again, it's very easy to say, but very difficult to do. Today, even, I was, um, I was in on that QQQ put trade and I saw the ticker going down. I was at uh, 8% loss. I, was, I, I bought puts, 319 puts uh, expiring tomorrow in the QQQ thinking that, they were going to rug pull at the end of the day, which they did. Um, and all of a sudden, as soon as I bought it, there was a quick jump. My trade was down 8%. And I was thinking to myself, you know what? Well, I just got in this trade. Let me go ahead and, and change my stop to 15%. That way, it'll give me some room to really let my thesis play out. But as soon as I thought that in my head, I had to tell myself, no, you cannot do that. You have to stay disciplined because if you start doing that, you'll end up uh, you know, basically just trading from the gut without discipline, without uh, any kind of trading strategy, and, and, and you'll get wrecked. I mean, I've, it's happened to me. It's happened to plenty of other people. You have, to, you have to stick with your trading strategy, meaning cut losses early. And even if you have winners, you got to let them run. And, and a good way to let them run is to set trailing stops, knowing that you'll still stay profitable. Essentially, you're playing with house money, as some people say. Um, the second rule is do not overtrade. This is something that probably my biggest flaw in, in trading is not to overtrade. And the reason being is that I enjoy the thrill. I enjoy the excitement of trading. I enjoy um, putting my logic and my analysis against all the other participants in the market and trying to basically beat uh, you know, the, some of the smartest people on earth, beat the algorithms and try and find um, areas that I can arbitrage that uh, options are priced uh, way below what they should be priced, where the risk reward is, is so much more beneficial to me. Um, and I just get such an enjoyment and such a thrill out of that. And also, you know, if, if trading is, is your, the way that you make money and you don't have any other job and, and you're a full-time trader and that's how you, that's how you make money. It, it's really hard to just sit there and look at the market moving in a direction and not jump in. Uh, I mean, it's just really, really difficult because you could spend two, three days, you could spend two, three weeks sitting there watching the markets move up and down 
and not buying in or out and you're looking at your account and it's just staying the same and you're not feel like you're not making any progress. So not over trading and waiting for your setups is another very, very, very difficult uh, trading rule to actually implement. And it's really hard when you see, um, you know, the momentum of a market going in a certain direction, even though your other indicators aren't there. It's really difficult to not say, I'm just going to jump in and ride this trend and, you know, do a quick sale and just at least I'm participating somehow. Um, it was Jesse Livermore in his book who was basically saying his his maturity as a trader, his, he blossomed as a trader once he realized he didn't have to make his daily bread from the market each day. That the, that the way that he was going to be successful as a trader was to sit and wait for his particular setups. And when his setups hit, to go full bore on those setups and, and go hard at them and let those winners run. Because if you watch some of these traders on Twitter or, or just people you know, I mean, they'll jump in and out of put positions, call positions, put positions all day based on, you know, a half a percent movement in the market either way. And doing that is just a recipe for disaster. That's, that's over trading. You'll get hit on the fees for if you're trading options, there's fees. Um, you're not picking a particular direction. You're not giving your uh, position a chance to play out. You're not trading off indicators. You're basically just shooting from the hip and jumping in and out of positions, trying to make something happen. And that's never been successful um, over the long term for anyone. And so in order to develop to that next level of trading, you, you really have to, as a trader, you really have to get, you know, be comfortable just kind of sitting and watching and waiting patiently for the time to, to fully strike. Um, I have a quote here from Peter Lynch, who agrees with what I'm saying. And he basically said, in this business, if you're good, you're right six times out of 10. You're never going to be right nine times out of 10. And so that right there is basically saying that you must um, uh, pick your trades wisely and when you do, even if even if everything is right, you've done all your homework, there's a good chance you're wrong, right? Four out of t if you're good, four out of ten times you'll be wrong. And so that means you need to cut those losses early and let those winners make up for all those losses. And down here I have another quote from another famous trader, Bill Lipschultz. And he said, if most traders were learned to sit on their hands 50% of the time, they would make a lot more money. And so – that's just that just reiterates what I said. It's just the, the difficult part is staying patient, sitting there watching and waiting, um, waiting for your opportunity, waiting for your setups, and then going at it hard, uh, not jumping around with you know bullish trades, bearish trades, jumping in and out of different stocks based on what's going on at that moment. That is just not a recipe for success if you want to be in this game uh, for a long term and you know, personally, this, this, this is really difficult for me and has been less difficult now. But when I first started trading, um, I jumped into trading without a large amount of savings. Um, and I used trading basically to pay my bills, to, um, to keep the lights on, to get groceries, to pay my car payments, all that kind of stuff was coming from trading. And when you're trading with that kind of psyche, with that kind of mentality, you feel like you have to be trading every day because you need money to pay the bills. And when you're, when you're, when you have that kind of pressure, that pressure on you that you need to be uh, trading in order to eat that week, in order to pay the mortgage that week, 
that's a very, very, very tough mindset for a trader to be in. And now, you know, thankfully I'm at a position where, um, you know, I have plenty of savings where that, that stuff is just automated and is not even affected by my brokerage account. And I have my brokerage account, my trading account where I can just use to, um, you know, keep building that account towards my, towards my goal. And I could trade, um, not having to have the pressure of feeding myself with my trading. I can trade patiently and smartly and waiting for, for my setups. Because again, if you have this, this mental pressure that you need to execute a trade every day, because you need to make a, you know, a certain amount of profit each day to pay the bills, that is a very, very difficult environment to trade in. And I would say it's almost impossible. Um, so if anyone asks me, Hey, what would you suggest if you want to get into trading full time and you want that to be your full profession uh, and all your money to come from trading with no other jobs, what, what, what would you suggest? I would say the first thing is I would save up a good six to eight months of, of living expenses and have that in a separate checking account so you can focus on trading full time. You can focus on being patient and waiting for your setups because if you have to pay the bills with your trading, you're, you're going to get wiped out because you're going to be desperate to make trades work when your setups just may not be there. So um, this isn't a rule, but this is just something I wrote down in my trading journal. I wrote, never jump directly into another trade after taking a loss in the first trade. So I, I, this is a mistake that I used to make all the time. Um, I would jump in on a trade and it wouldn't go my way. I would immediately sell out and I would look at my daily you know, profit and loss statement. I would see, wow, I'm down a couple thousand bucks. Man, this is going to be a bad day. I don't want to go home. Uh, and, and have this hanging over my head. I need to, I need to get back to even, or I need to you know get back to where to where I want to be. What do I do? Okay, and then I start desperately looking for another trade, and I jump into something else that I haven't done homework on, that I haven't done research on, that I haven't uh, uh, analyzed or, or or done strategically, and all of a sudden, now I'm jumping into another trade and I lose again because it's just a basically shoot from the hip trade, and now I'm down even more. And then I say to myself, crap, look how much I lost. I need to fix this. I can't go, I can't go home with this much loss over my head. And then it's just a vicious, vicious cycle. So I, I made a rule for myself. If I, if in the morning I jump into a trade, my stop losses are hit and I, I immediately get out and I just kind of stop for the day. And I don't, I just watch and observe the markets and, and wait and do some, you know, do some more research, kind of go over the trade and see why it didn't work. Uh, the worst thing you can do is is take a trade and you take a loss and then immediately jump into another trade because you feel like you can't uh, end the day with a loss. It just it, it's not a great way to trade. It's not strategic. And, and if you're going to be in this game for a long term, you cannot trade that way. You're going to you'll get wiped out. You may get lucky a few times, but over the long term, that is just not going to work. That's just that's just jumping around and, and not having a plan or a strategy. Um, and the last rule. I wrote in this article, I wrote, protect yourself from yourself. And so, so what does that mean? And this rule came from um, studying probably one of my favorite traders of all time, uh, a very famous trader. His name's Jesse Livermore. Most of you know who he is and what he's done. But if you don't know, just a quick background on Jesse Livermore. Um, he was a trader. He started working in a brokerage house when he was 14 years old. He, um, this was in the 1890s. 
he famously traded all the big corrections, the 1906 correction. And where he really made his fame was he shorted the market uh, 10 days before the 1929 Great Depression crash. And he shorted it leveraged with $400 million. And he ended up making $100 million um, in a seven-day period in 1929. And adjusted for inflation, it's still the largest uh, trade winnings in a seven-day period um, ever, ever in the history of, uh, you know, since they've been following the history of the stock market, right? So um, that is an amazing, amazing feat. And he is an amazing, amazing trader. But the story doesn't end there. Um, you know, he, by making that $100 million in 1929, he became one of the 10 most richest men on earth. And by 1933, he was bankrupt. And in 1940, he went into a uh, coat room in a New York City hotel and shot himself in the head. And so what is the moral of that story? Well, Jesse Livermore has, you know, a lot of great lessons about trading and, and technical analysis and trading psychology. And he's someone that I emulate um, a lot in my trading. But the key lesson that I learned from him is to protect yourself from yourself, meaning that if, if a person makes a hundred million dollars adjusted for inflation, probably a billion dollars today, um, in one trade in seven days coming from the circumstances he came from, which was dirt poor, grew up on a farm in Massachusetts, you would hope that someone would have the, uh, foresight, the, the wisdom to say, Hey, I'm going to take 90% of this. And I'm going to put it into a bunch of different safe investments. I'm going to put it into real estate. I'm going to put it into bonds. I'm going to put it into CDs. And I'm going to take the 5% and continue to trade with that and, and, and move on with my career. But this amount of money um, should not all be kept in a brokerage account and attempt to take $100 million and make it a billion, right? That's just. But that was all Jesse Livermore knew was trading. And so protect yourself from yourself means – if you start profiting from your trading account, you need to pay yourself a salary. You need to move some of that trading money out of there um, to other safer investments, right? To either CDs, to cash, to real estate, whatever, whatever you want to invest in. Just do not, the key is do not keep all of your winnings and all of your profits in your trading account because inevitably every trader runs into this. You're going to run into a losing streak and it is very, and if the money's sitting there, it's very, very tempting to try and take it and get back to even, to try to take it and get back to where you were. And if you come across a big trading win, a big windfall, or you start becoming profitable in your trading, uh, you need to pay yourself a salary. You need to move 10% out each month, whatever it is for you, whatever works. But that's something that, that I've learned from myself and from, from Jesse Livermore. Um, there's just no reason a person should make or have that amount of money and lose it in four years on the stock market. I mean, what he did is after he shorted, he expected there to be a, a quick turnaround. And anyone who knows the history of markets knows the market fell from 1929, basically to 1938 with little pops in between. But he, uh, he attempted to, to play uh, the big V-shaped recovery that just never came. And so he, he was correct in shorting the market, but he was not correct in that a recovery came but he should have never even had to make that choice. As soon as he made all that money shorting, he should have moved, you know, a large percentage of that out to, uh, to an annuity, to, to something, to gold, to anything, anything where it wasn't accessible to him in his trading account. Because 
once you reach that level of success, you're going to, you're going to, humility is going to be out the window. Your, your ego is just going to be so high. You think that you can turn that hundred million into a billion, into 10 billion or whatever it is. And so um, I wish his story didn't end so tragically. I wish that someone went to him and told him, Hey, you know, you just made the greatest trade in history. You need to uh, uh, protect yourself from yourself. And so that's, that's why I wrote that rule, protect yourself from yourself, which reminds me to take some of my profits out, put them into other things and don't keep all my winnings in my trading account because all it's going to be is just temptation, uh, temptation to, you know, to keep trading and potentially over trade and, and, and give up a lot of the gains or the profits that I, that I made. And the last thing I want to just talk about is this, uh, this earnings week. Um, so I just opened up CNBC and interesting article it says Facebook shares spike on better than expected quarterly earnings. That is super interesting. Wow. Facebook up 16.7%, uh, 16.88% right now. Um, I think that's going to be good for the QQQs tomorrow. Um, Microsoft had great earnings. Um, that was a, a, a positive bullish catalyst. Um, Google had, had earnings that were bad and, you know, I wouldn't say bad. I would say earnings that were okay. Um, their revenue missed on YouTube, which really was fine. I mean, people are starting to, you know, get away from their computers and go out a little bit now that the pandemic's kind of dying down. Um, but Facebook is, is interesting that it jumped this much. I think, I think the fact that Microsoft and Facebook have had really strong earnings uh, and the fact that we're pretty oversold here, I think, I think we're going to head for a, a bounce tomorrow in tech. Um, I'm just hoping that, which is what happened yesterday. And I'm just hoping this doesn't happen. I'm hoping the futures don't bid up, you know, in a crazy amount, 1%, 1.5%, because then traders, us traders who know what's going on, have missed the window to ride this kind of relief bounce in tech. And so I'm, I'm hoping that the futures stay, you know, around positive half a percent to positive 0.75%, because that's usually the golden um, uh, window for futures where if it opens, it continues to ride. But if it goes above 1%, I've noticed that whenever futures open 1%, there's a very high probability that uh, people take profits or they ride up into, you know, that nine nine thirty to 10 o'clock window and then immediately just falls off. And so um, this to me, this is a positive sign to me for tech. So I'm, you know, I'm not bullish. I'm not bearish. I trade the market that's in front of me. And it's looking to me like uh, looking to me like tomorrow tech, the QQQs could run. So call options on the QQQ if you can get in uh, before the futures run or the futures don't run too hot. That would be that would be it. That would be a trade. Again, not financial advice, but just kind of a, an idea of what I'm kind of seeing and looking at, especially with the QQQs here. So it says revenue rose 7 percent in a quarter. The first time in Facebook's 10-year history, analysts were only expecting 7.8% growth. Wow, this is a good, I mean, this is a good earnings report. Facebook, I mean, this is interesting. I think QQQs are going to run tomorrow. Um, the only the only kind of thing we have left to, the only hurdle we have left for QQQs to really run is Apple, uh, the Apple earnings. And anyone who's followed the markets for any length of time, anyone who's followed Apple knows Apple usually doesn't miss. Um, their earnings are always usually on point or better. Uh, they're always positive. Their guidance, I mean, they guided down during um, 
during the pandemic, but usually whenever Apple earnings come out, it's a positive catalyst for the market. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if we end the week here, especially in tech, as long as, as long as the yields don't go too crazy, I wouldn't be surprised if we end the week on, on a positive note in, in tech here. Um, and the, and the last thing is the fed, the feds coming up um, beginning of May and that's going to be kind of the last catalyst. But I think at this point, everyone's priced in a 50 basis point hike. So to me, the Fed is going to be more of a non-event than, than a lot of people are saying. I think the, the two big events were earnings tonight, and it looks like like Facebook kind of blew it out of the water, and uh, Apple tomorrow. And once we get those past those two hurdles, I think we're pretty oversold. I think I think we go on a at least a 10% rally in tech. Um, as long as bonds, as long as the 10 year yield doesn't get too high. Um, it looks like the 10 year yields up, up now to 2.834. If we can get the 10 year a little bit down and the dollar comes down too, um, I think tech's going to go on a run here in the next, uh, five to 10 trading days. So that's, that's, that's what I'm going to be looking at for tomorrow. I'm going to be watching the QQQs at the open. I'm going to be watching futures overnight, um, to see how fast futures rise on this good news. And I suspect the futures are going to jump on this Facebook news, uh, but hopefully they'll be a little bit subdu- subdued and it'll give uh, a traders a chance to jump in on an option play for calls on the QQQ on the open. But again, um, I never trade the first hour. I always just sit and observe because it, I've learned the hard way that during the first hour is, is, is when all kinds of games are played. Uh, and, and the first hour kind of shows you, um, where kind of the trajectory is heading. So for example, today, if you watch the first hour, you know, if you jumped in at nine thirty-five after, you know, the market opened higher thinking this was it, you would have got wrecked. But if you waited the first hour, just kind of watched and observed, watched the indicators, watched VIX, watched the 10 year treasury yield, watched how the market was reacting to these things. Um, you would have known that, okay, they're going to rug pull it. And you could have seen that basically on the charts. You could have seen that just by, you know, uh, how the other, other indices are acting. So that's another tip that I have is if you're going to trade, I would wait. Don't jump in, don't jump in right at the opening, wait an hour, watch how the market plays out. Um, but yeah, I think QQQs are going to go, uh, going to go on a run here. Um, so this is something I don't normally do, but I'm, going to open this to any questions if anyone has any questions uh for me there's like a, a way on the app you can request the question um i've had a few good ones people are asking me about oil the last few weeks i've been talking about russia and ukraine um so really anything is kind of open uh if you guys want to ask a question if not um we'll go ahead and uh, i'll do my kind of promotional spiel at the end here all right. Looks like I don't I don't have any questions. Um, thank you all so much for listening. Again, I want to tell you about my newsletter, thewarrenletter.substack.com. Um, I put all these trading rules and and kind of my experiences into those newsletters. So if you're interested, you can go to thewarrenletter.substack.com and sign up. Um, and some other good news is that this podcast, I'm going to be very very fortunate to have as a guest uh, Robert Weirdemeyer who wrote the book, The Aftershock Investor. And so I've talked about The Aftershock Investor on this podcast before. I've written about it in my newsletter, but it's probably one of my favorite books um, for predicting, you know, the next few years and how this is going to play out with markets and currencies and 
uh, and interest rates and things like that. Robert wrote this book in 2012, um, predicting kind of this uh, inflationary collapse uh, where basically yields rise too fast, which takes down the value of stocks uh, along with it, um, housing markets, uh, currency markets, et cetera. And he was very early. You know, now people say if you're early, you're wrong. Um, but Robert was definitely very early. But it's interesting because I dusted off the book the other day and I was looking through it. And a lot of the things that Robert was saying were going to happen back in 2012 are actually happening today. Um, the dramatic rise in interest rates, the uh, uh, rising dollar against the uh, Japanese yen, the difficulty Japan's having with the yield curve, yield curve control. Um, the suppression of gold prices and falling uh, high-flying growth stocks. I mean, pretty much, oh, and, and the rising mortgage rates and, and the resultant lowering of the uh, housing market. So all those things that Robert basically predicted in 2012 hadn't come true when he predicted them, but are starting to come true now. And I'm fortunate enough to have him, and he's going to be a guest on the podcast next week. We're working out kind of the exact date and time, um, but that's going to be a really, really interesting podcast. Um, you, you don't want to miss that one. If you're, if you have any interest at all in, in, in markets or, um, investing in kind of this, uh, potential collapse that we're facing, uh, you should definitely listen to this, to this podcast. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Again, if you're interested in my private Twitter account, go to my Twitter at retirement, right? And there's a link on there where you can, you can sign up to the private Twitter account. And if you're interested in my newsletter, it's the warrenletter.substack.com. Uh, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, happy trading. And uh, there's two more days left in the trading week. It's time to make some profits. So, all right, everyone, take it easy.